Why, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. And if you don't know it yet, this is part two of Adventure on the Altamaha River. I think we're picking up here at day five, and this is going to take you guys all the way through our experience to the very end of this mission. <clears throat> and even still to this day, I must say that this was a life-changing mission for me personally. Uh, it just, it it's, there's so much to reflect on. I was just going through some videos from uh, when we were out there on the river and, and some videos there when we were finishing and the magnificence and the beauty, uh, although it fades in my mind, I'm glad I still have those videos and photos to look back on and realize what we actually did and accomplished. And I thank you guys for allowing us to share it with you. Uh, I hope that it inspires you to go out and do a mission of your own, uh, <clears throat> either with a team or a as an individual. And uh, if there's something on your list that you've been wanting to do for years and years and years, make time for it, man. Go out and execute on that mission because time will eventually run out. So... That's one of the main things I got from doing the Altamahal, main lessons that I learned. Uh, so, you know, this is a fun episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you got anything out of it, share the episode and let people know what happened out there because there are some funny stories and some great lessons learned. So here it is, part two of Adventure on the Altamahal River. And yes, we are running this mission next year for a team for our basic course graduates 10 people it is going to be the most epic thing on earth and it's it's quite a ways away but i'm so excited about it i can't hardly stand it <laughs> love you guys talk to you soon here it is Enjoy. Day five. 18.38 total miles on day five. That was the first time we ever did anything together. 10 October. Freaking liar. Slept in until 8.30. No drama in camp. Um, no drama in camp last night, surprisingly. Other than one alarm by Brett in the middle of the night about some boat lingering near our kayaks. I assume it was one of the many rednecks checking limb lines for catfish. Out of the woods camp and on the river at 10 o'clock. This section of the Altima Hall is wide with ever-changing flow rates. Still dense woods on both banks with very little suitable camping areas. Human, human, human presence is very sparse and there were no residential houses anywhere along today's paddle. Many more islands and larger inlets and splits are present for the first time. I have a feeling this will become the normal as we approach the coast. Average number of bait fish are present, along with some sort of diving duck and one small falcon. Squirrels, woodpeckers, and owls are prevalent, although less owls tonight than other locations. Zero luck fishing. The morning paddle was proving to be uneventful until Chili was hung in a blowdown and capsized his boat once again. 
I had just finished commenting on his inability to stay out of the obstacles on the riverbank when he flipped upside down and disappeared. When he finally surfaced, he was gasping for air. Later, we found out that a underwater log had hit him in his stomach and took his wind. I paddled up next to him as he um, pinned as he was pinned himself between a fallen tree and his kayak, encouraging him to stay calm and not lose his paddle. He finally got his boat back right side up only to realize he had lost both his fishing poles and his favorite hat. Mm. Stopped for lunch on a fair-sized sandbar that was obviously regularly used by other river rats, the evidence being a legit toilet with fresh, clean toilet paper about 25 meters into the woods. From lunch, we moved along, encountering a few other humans and an ever-widening and slower-moving river. Miles did not come easy, and at one point, Brett commented, I feel like I'm paddling uphill. The water has recovered to its normal shade of murky, although the smell of the paper mill still lingers in the water itself. We came across a suitable sandbar for the first time at 16.5 miles, but decided to press on in faith that there would be uh, an available sandbar nearer to our daily mileage goal 20 miles per day given the fact that the river had seemed to return to its normal size instead of the swollen state we encountered on day four we were correct and we have set up on a stellar sandbar at 18.38 miles with scattered trees and a wide view of the ultima hall camp and dinner setup was as usual other than the bath in the river for me and Brett, that proved to be very refreshing and proved also that the paper mill smell was indeed coming from the water itself and not from the air. Plenty of evidence of other campers existed in the form of more scattered trash that spanned the sandbar along with an existing fire pit that seems to has been, have been used as a trash receptacle from for, uh, former campers. In spite of the trash of this, pla this place, it is unbelievably beautiful, <coughs> and it could not be bought or enjoyed as well by anyone else but us. We have endured much to get here. The night sky is immaculate, and the mosquitoes are thick as ever. No rain today, one or two miles north of the Altima Hall River Park, or whatever it's called. The Altima Hall requires a sacrifice from all those who paddle her waters from start to fi finish. Um, it's time for some rest. Highlights of the day. Chili's Folly, capsizing his boat. Lunch on a sandbar with a toilet. Anticipation of coastal environments ahead. A bath in the river. Large exposed networks of roots on the riverbank. Uh, the shady side of river. The top of my feet are sunburned badly. I think y'all remember that day. Yeah, I think some of the things that I hadn't saw you or you hadn't read yet was of all the big hornet's nest that we saw. Oh yeah, man. Um, and then some of the those beaches, like as we got closer to the coast, there was more and more areas of the beaches where you could tell people would camp over the weekend, probably bring their boats. I mean, they would have, like, little fish stations where they clean their fish. Like, it was just, I mean, they had stuff built on these little bitty islands, I guess you would call them, but. 
Yeah, because we were pretty, I mean, we were nearing coastal waters. We didn't know it, but the water had turned brackish. Yeah. So it was brackish before we even. Yeah. And they were able to bring the center, like a center console fishing boat from the coast up the river to that point where we had got to. So, yeah, much more traffic in that area. Um, yeah, man, you know, Chile, uh, capsized his boat once again. This one, I actually got to see it happen. I was literally right beside him and I was like, man, you can't stay out of them freaking bushes. Can you? And, uh, uh, like 10 seconds after that, his boat goes upside down. I hear the splashing. I don't see him anywhere. I turn, I, uh, I turn around and I and finally, he pops up, and when he pops up, he's literally doing this number, <laughs> trying to just gasp for air. And I'm like, this dude's about to freaking drown, man. He's got a lung full of water or something. So I start yelling at him. I'm like, Chili, stay calm. And his paddle is now floating along with his boat. He doesn't have hands on his paddle. And I say, stay calm and don't lose your paddle because we didn't bring an extra paddle. Which was foolish. That's one thing we should have brought was an extra paddle. Um, and he finally gets pinned up between a, uh, another blowdown and his kayak. And he finally regains his breath and he starts just losing his mind over the fact that he had lost his hat. While his boat is still upside down, probably filling up with water, we don't know. And he's searching for his hat. And I'm like, Chili, get your boat turned back over, right? And then you can worry about looking for your hat. So he shifts his focus off his hat, gets his boat back upright, no fishing poles. He recovers his bag, his paddle's there, and then he proceeds in his um, depression of losing his hat. One reason I wanted you to tell that story was because I didn't know you were talking to me. That whole time, I, 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 I saw you get over there to the side. Like you kind of pulled over to the bank, but I didn't hear nothing you ever said. It was weird. Like, I, I didn't, it was funny when you, because you recounted saying all this later that day, and I was like, I didn't even hear you talking. I just remember you getting your phone out once I got my boat flipped over. But, um, no, I was just trying to get all my crap. I was, I was all consumed with trying to find my hat. And I couldn't find it. Well, I saved your life by talking you through that. Your subconscious was taking that on board. And I you saved, saved my life. Yeah, I saved your life. Well, it, <laughs> so for me, like I was, so I was ahead. Yeah. And I heard Chad yell, Chili, stay calm. Really? Find your paddle. That's funny. So, and then I was already going around a curve, and there was no blowdowns anywhere for me to like hold on to or tie off to. And the the current was actually moving really good in that area, so like I couldn't oh, yeah. stop. No, it was moving well. It pulled my upside down boat right into another blowdown. We so were floating fast. That was the last thing I heard. I couldn't hear anything out of you. When the last thing I heard was what Chad said. So I'm I'm probably I don't know, quarter mile down the river, and I'm just waiting on y'all to come around that corner, and then then I hear Chad laughing. So I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, everything's good. I think I audibly said at one point, I got to find my hat, and. uh I was looking for it, couldn't find it, and then I finally kind of had everything with me and then flipped my boat and got back in it. Oh, I was pissed. But um, no, that was I, that the worst 24 hours of that of that uh, 
whole mission was about lunchtime, day four, where they stopped at the uh, when we got to the paper mill, and to that point, that was my worst twenty four hours because I freaking flipped my boat, dealt with the paper mill. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we've had another miss. <laughs> <laughs> He has capsized again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Does that bring back memories well, of the Well, I hat? actually got to see this one. There he is. I don't know what happened. He looks exactly. like a he looks like a dead <laughs> rat or a drowning rat clinging but to his boat. Capsized. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> I just had to go back and review that footage. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that, yeah. That was a bad spot to flip, man. I was. Oh, yeah. Well, it was. I mean, it wasn't where you. The first time was much better because you could touch. Uh, this time I fell off when I was trying to pee. And uh, yeah. I had, it was pretty deep. I mean, it was probably 10 foot of water. I was concerned. Y'all were over there for a while. I guess you was collecting all your gear, but. Yeah. So then after that, Chad, that's when he had his gear, his bag, at the front of the boat, wide Wide open. open. Chad's like, Chili, if I were you, (laughs) I would close that bag. So it's okay to have wet gear. You just don't want to lose your gear. No, I wasn't going to flip it again. Yeah, I was was letting the air out. At that point, he was bound and determined. How many times did he say, hey, we need to make sure we pull over so I can dry my gear out again? Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all he was concerned about the rest of the day was getting his gear out. And I think he was ahead of us for the rest of that time because he was ready to go. Yeah. The whole... Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Chili don't like having wet gear. That's um, true. Lunch spot was awesome. I, was that the first poo you took? Uh, Yeah. That was, this mean, joker I, been... Ho- Brett had been holding his poo for five days. I mean, it wasn't intentional. He's got five days worth of poo backed up in him. Golly. And he finally gets to this toilet. And it wasn't even a good one. It was decent. But it, wouldn't, you know, it ain't Jeez. nothing to brag about. Um, I can't go five days. Man, you know, my cousin. I, I couldn't imagine. These jokers go like three times a day. Oh, yeah. My cousin can go a week like it ain't nothing. I think he's a freak. That's not good. No. I did kind of, I did finally get adjusted. Yeah. Um. You remember, you were the one that pointed out those networks of roots on the bank, Brett, in yeah. that section. Yeah, I think... Um, to me, stuff like that goes back to the creation, the way God created things. Like any other tree can't live that close to the water. These trees, it's almost like the roots all, you know, they'd be 10 trees in a row and it's like all the roots are tied together. They're holding each other in there. Like they're just distinctly put there for that reason. Like those trees probably couldn't make it in other places, but they can make it right there. So yeah. To me, it goes back to just to the creation and, and how God created everything to work. Um, so it, st- you see things like that, and it just it reminds you, you know, when we're sitting there looking at the stars and it's so brilliant to look at it, um, it takes you back to creation. And I think every time we sit around and look at those stars, we always ended up going back to something about God or something like that or, you know, creativity. Just how he did everything, you know? It's pretty yeah. amazing. 
that wasn't when I started looking at those roots after you pointed it out. I was thinking, you know, you don't usually get to see what's going on under the ground in the forest, but in this place, it was eroded. The bank was eroded, so you got to see how the the trees are not underground. They're not individual trees. It, it's an entire network, and they're all interwoven. Right. Yep. And it was just wild looking, man. You know, and that was regular tree roots that would have usually been underground. You know, the whole part, the the whole stretch of the river has cypress. Those were along cypress the trees, banks. Right? Well, the the one the cypress roots are the the um they may have been cypress trees, just the underground roots, but you can see the cypress roots, the big they call them cypress knees. Yeah, above the water, um, all along the riverbank. Some of them are massive, man. Six to eight foot. We saw some of those. Yeah, massive. Cypress is a really cool tree. But, um, yeah, and then we got that shady side of the river. We paddled down that, and uh, we stopped on that. That was a nice camp spot that night, right there just above the Altamaha River Park. Another magnificent night sky. Plenty of room out there. We got all got our gear dried out good. That, and we pulled in there a little early, too, so we mm -hmm. had time to get set up. We actually had to hang out for a while and let that sun drop before we even started cooking dinner right there. Right. So that was a beautiful spot, man. And, uh, yeah, we knew we were getting close. Let's go on to day six. Day six, 18.8 .8 miles total on day six, 11 October. Awoke to a most excellent camp this morning at 0730 on the river. After a big breakfast at 10 o'clock, only three, as you guys can tell, we don't get in a hurry in the morning. If you guys have ever been on the basic course, y'all know the old bull don't get in no hurry in the morning. I'd rather do my work in the evenings and at night. Only three-ish miles uh, to our fresh water resupply at the Altamaha River Park. By the way, we filled our bladders up at that random cabin out of their spigot. We didn't know if that was going to be good water or not. It ended up running dry before we get all the way full. Yeah. And so we knew we could get our bladders full again at this Altamaha River Park. That was pretty sketchy. Yeah, it was. Um, these There's probably three or four cabins, and somebody was building a brand new one. But we could see the, the, the well lines where they were, I guess there was three or four of those. And we just kind of walked up to a random one where – we could tell nobody had been there, and I just cut the valve on, opened up the spigot, and it started flowing water, and we kind of just tasted it, and yeah, we're good to go. But yeah, we, I think we emptied out that diaphragm, and that was it. I think that Chili made a good point, though. You know, when you're out doing a mission this long and just being out in the woods all the time, when you're drinking this, all of this water that has potential contaminants in it you're eating with your hands you're you're not trying to stay clean you know you're you're not doing all this sanitation of everything that you eat and put your hands on and drink you're just living out there that actually keeps you healthy i i'm a firm i'm a firm believer in that build your immune system yeah i i'm thinking that probably after all this, wash your hands 50 times and sanitize every freaking thing around you and don't be around people. But people are probably sicker now than and weaker now than they've ever been, man. Well, that's a fact, and that was the point of all that. But yeah. that's another discussion. I think that is so true. And um, all right, I'll get back to my journal here. 
Freshwater resupply at Altamaha Hall River Park. The park's facility and staff were outstanding and knew the river well. A local couple sitting on the front porch for breakfast proved to provide us with some much-needed intel. The river is now brackish water. Droves of fiddler crabs can be seen on muddy banks. The tide is now in play. We expected a little more distance before encountering these changes, so we were fairly surprised at the news. The store clerk gave us a tide chart and uh, for the local area and informed us to add four hours to the times listed on the uh, tide chart. After leaving the park, it was apparent that the river was changing significantly and quickly. Large swaths of reeds and grass began to become prevalent on the banks in place of willow trees that we were used to seeing. Opposite of the marsh grass were cypress swamps with no dry ground available anywhere. We passed a large alligator and saw one bald eagle before we found ourselves unable to paddle against an incoming tide at 10 miles. We moored our kayaks to a stump on the bank uh, of a cypress tree and ate lunch together on the boats. After two hours, the tide was slack and we took back to the river. Many large intersections and splits. Um, what the heck? Where did I just stop reading from? Oh, many large intersections and splits uh, into the river are present now. Butler Creek, South Branch, Altima Hall. Navigation is a new aspect. We are prepared with GPS and electronic maps. Easy day. The outgoing tide makes for easier paddling to I-95 crossing. By this point, the Altima Hall has quadrupled in size, and the wind is blowing northeast into our faces. Even with the tide, miles don't come easy. The wind brings choppy water, um, breaking over the bow of our heavy boats. As we near the end of the outgoing tide, we realize our inability to reach a suitable camp before the tide changes. So we begin to search for anything that will suffice for a campsite for the night. Brett found a small dike separating the river from a large wetland marsh, and we pulled our kayaks into a two-foot mud beach and clambered up the dike. The black mud sunk us up to our knees, but we made it high and dry. There are more mosquitoes and blood-sucking gnats in this particular location than anywhere else I have been on earth. It is absolutely unbearable. We are here on this sandy roadbed until 2.30 a.m. when we will catch the outgoing tide to the coast. Lord willing, the owls are gone. The familiar sounds and sights of the river are gone. The familiar peace and flow are gone. I anticipate the new life and beauty it holds for us at the mouth of the river. Highlights of the day, completely new ecosystems, bald eagle, alligator, Altima Hall River Park, wasps in the handle of a Connex box. Um, I heard a dove at night. That was pretty cool. Raccoons in the tree. That was the highlights of the day. Freaking Altima Hall River Park, man. So this is so this is the day that we had to tie to the tree to eat lunch. Yep. Yep. We we were paddling, and. We had passed the, the the lady at the park said, Yeah, the tide comes in and out here. Sometimes the river's gonna be flowing in, sometimes it's gonna be flowing out. We were like, Whatever, dude. 
you know, we're a long ways from the coast. And sure enough, we get, I think this was at 10 miles, we're paddling, and we find ourselves paddling essentially in place. And we all come together, and Chili's like, yeah, we're not getting any return on the investment we're putting in here. Like, we're not making any ground. So we had no choice but just to moor up on the bank of the river. There's no dry ground. The tide's coming in. All the timber's flooded out. And so we moor up, tie the boats together, and eat lunch right there in the boats. Sit there for probably two and a half hours or so. Yeah, we were there for a We were in the boats that day for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And um, once the tide switched, though... <clears throat> That was a game changer, but even though the tides had switched, you remember the wind was blowing in our faces, so uh, in a lot of places, although the tide was going out, the surface of the water was being blown against you, plus you know your boat and everything, it acts as a sail, so even though you're going with the tide, you got to work, man, to get miles out, and the, the river here is I said quadrupled in size, potentially more than that. The river is super wide from bank to bank, especially when you go across under I-95 there, coming into Darien. Yeah, I think that's the day I got all the... Was that the day I got all my blisters on my hands? Or was it the next day? It may have been that day. It was a lot of paddling. It was rough. It was a lot of paddling that day, man. Um, But yeah, we were... As we were sitting there eating lunch, we would just randomly throw sticks out in the water to see which way the stick was going because we couldn't tell by the, the surface of the water. Yeah, and we didn't know how accurate that tide chart was going to be, which it turned out to be very accurate. It was four mm-hmm. hours off, right? Yeah, at the river park. as we What made it hard is as you approached the coast, we were paddling away from the river park, so that tide chart, as you got closer to the coast, that gap between the number on the chart and the four hours, it lessened. So you never knew if it was going to be two hours off, three hours off, whatever it was. Well, you could do the math. I mean, break it down by how many miles you had left from the park, right? I'm sure somebody that's smarter at tides and currents could have figured it well, I mean, accurately. Just however far the distance was from that park to the coast in four hours. Yeah. So if it was 20 miles and every five miles would be an hour. I mean. We didn't do that, though. No. What about this RV park that you just... You really love this RV park. I love stuff like that. This dude wanted to sit at the Altamaha River Camp for like four or five hours, man. It was a cool place. No, I didn't want, I mean, I would have wanted to in any other situation, but I uh, I love stuff like that. That store was cool. That's, well, I, I had noted if, if I would have knew that was there, my family would have been camping at that RV park as yeah, we went by. that's a good spot. Yeah. If y'all ever want to go to a cool spot, go to Altamaha River Park. Great people, too. Like yeah. New owners. Seems like everything's... I mean, it was. I mean, they got, they got ammo in there. Yeah, Chad got a cinnamon roll, a nutty bar, <laughs> nutty buddy, carbohydrates. I bought a pair yeah. of really nice sunglasses in there. Oh, the Vertex, son. Vertex. Chucker bought that Vertex. Twenty-eight boy. was eighteen twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, that was legit, man. That was a sweet spot. Waterfall. Look, man, when you get into these coastal waters, it's nothing but marshland. At least. The, the condition the river was in for us, the river was up. Maybe in other times there's sandbars, but for us there was nothing. It felt like the ocean at I-95. Yeah, all marshes. And so we're, we know the tide's about to change. We got to get off the dang water or, or we're going back. We're going to go backwards. I will say, um, 
since this podcast has turned into what it's turned into about me, I did point out a perfect spot about two miles before where we ended up parking, and you refused. You talking about that dike? No, <coughs> where that the dock, that, the dock off off that dock a ways. Oh no, that wasn't a good spot. Okay, no. Uh, I will you prefer the hellhole. I, I think that would have turned out to be an excellent spot, knowing what we know now. You prefer the hellhole. <laughs> oh, I get you. Look, I got you. The hellhole from from now on, any it is a mandatory camping spot. Well, that that's fine, but you were miserable when we got there. I have never seen you that. I mean, you, God, he got bent out some, of shape. When I said something about like, them yellow jackets, that joker took off. He go, we, we can't freaking stay here. Uh, this is ridiculous. This is the chili. You just love this spot. I don't know why you kept saying that. I loved it. You did. You were saying you loved it. No, you were like, oh, this ain't that bad. This ain't that bad. Look at this. This ain't that yeah, bad. Yeah, I was making fun of you because you didn't stop at my spot. And, and I was like, I was, you should have saw Chili pacing on this spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was walking around like a meth head. From 12 o'clock at night to like 2 o'clock in the morning, that Joker was pacing. I slept good every night out there. I didn't sleep at all that night. <laughs> Look, Dang. we woke up at 2.30 anyway. We, we had our alarm set. And uh, when the alarm went off, Chili had already been, he already packed all his stuff up. It's already almost loaded in the boat. He, I mean, he Joker's been pacing this whole time. Yeah, he wasn't happy. So we made the determination. We looked at the tide chart, and we we get in the hellhole. Chili's like this, and I'm like, Chili, let's be real, man. Like, hold on, he's like, this ain't that. This is a pretty nice spot. And I was like, hold on, bud, let's just be real for a minute. He this thought I was being the, serious. This is the worst camping spot. I mean, it's better than sleeping on your kayak. Gosh, but, he was but, complaining, but just barely. Well, you get out of the freaking boat, and you literally immediately are in knee-deep marsh mud. And this mud stinks, and it will suck you in. And I don't know if there's a bottom to it. You just kind of hold yourself up on your boat so you don't just go all the way under the mud. You clamber up this structure and get on. It's just a sandy strip of road, bumpy strip of road. Chili again asks me, Chad, do you think yep. this will puncture the floor of my tent? I don't freaking know, Chili. It didn't. There's a Connex box there for some reason, just abandoned. Brett goes to open. He opens it, and then I hear him go, oh, crap. And he lets it go, and the door swings, and boom, hits the side. And and these big wasp-looking hornet things just start <laughs> pouring out of the door, right? Oh, man. The whole time, we are getting, l like... Every square inch of us is getting hammered by blood-sucking gnats and mosquitoes. We douse ourselves in high-powered bug spray, like soak ourselves. Don't it? Don't do nothing. It, it didn't do it make them mad. It that's, don't do nothing. That's why you don't put that crap on. It don't work. Uh, it, it was it was insane. That, that was forty percent deep, and they were just dragging it like it was water. Oh yeah, it won't nothing to them. I mean, through your shirt, through your your pants like they were just wearing you out and so i'm looking at the tide chart and i'm like all right we got two choices here we can either stay here in the hell hole until 2 p.m or we can get up at 2 30 a.m and catch the outgoing tide two bad choices to pick from Sit in the hellhole until 2 p.m. the next day or get up at 2.30 a.m. And, and get to paddle. Well, it was cool to paddle at night. I'd been wanting to do that. That yeah. was a pretty easy decision for me. When Chad said, let's leave at 2 in the morning, I'm like, I'm game. 
Yeah. Tilly's, Tilly's like, yeah, let's get this. Nobody it. argued with it. So the thought of being there until the thought of waking up there that next morning, eating breakfast, staying there till two o'clock in that the afternoon was just not happening. No, I, I think we, I think we made the right decision, um, which will lead us into day seven. By the way, if you come on the trip next year, you'll get to spend a night in the hell hole. Just stand by, son. It will make you as mentally tough as chili. Spend one night in the hell hole. You can go ahead and you can go ahead and say you're good to go, man. Well, most people think I'm pretty mentally weak, so day seven. Distance ten ish miles to Wolf Island. Five ish miles to Sapelo Island. That's a big ish. Mm, that's a big ish. Um two thirty wake up. In the campsite, we now deem the hellhole. Our only choice is to get in the boats and paddle the outgoing tide to the Atlantic or sit in the hellhole until the next tide cycle at 1400. We ain't staying in this hellhole. Our first and only night paddle was commenced. This section of river is extremely wide with navigation in place, so we hugged the left bank of the marsh grass as the guide. The river at night is more alive than ever. Creeping things were out in full display with hundreds of glowing eyes tucked into the marsh grass. One alligator swimming close in front of our boats. One jumping mullet, which hit Chili in the arm. Four raccoons and some kind of small birds that continuously swooped into the light of our headlamps. Some areas of fog rolling off the uh, formerly pirate-infested waters brought me right back to the days of clandestine maritime operations in the SEAL teams. We traveled in a tight file formation for safety and accountability. Rounding the last bend, a faint glow became visible on the horizon. It was not the sun, but the open mouth of the mighty Altamaha pouring into the Atlantic Ocean. We checked our GPS and realized our pace was fast, with the strong outgoing tide, and we would easily reach Wolf Island before sunrise. So we slowed down a bit, keeping uh, an ever-watchful eye on the Garmin maps. Water became increasingly choppy as we approached the river mouth, and we began to round the bend of the contour of Wolf Island, leaving the waters of the Altamahal in exchange for the Atlantic Ocean. Um, we searched the bank of Wolf for a place to make a brief landfall until sunrise, and we were shocked to see only large clumps of mussels and mud instead of a sandy beach I was expecting. After checking imagery, I realized that the thin strip of sand bank on Wolf was behind the mud banks that were visible in our headlamps. We made portage on the mud and traveled 50 yards on foot to reach the sand strip. Sunrise was spectacular, and the mission objective was complete. The thin strip of dry land that marks the seaward side of Wolf was covered in various types of seabirds, raccoons, and hundreds of conch shells. The rest of the entire uh, 5,000 acres of Wolf Island were marsh, not a single tree. We departed Wolf Island shortly after sunrise to find a suitable landfall for camp and decided to cross the mouth of the Doughboy Sound for a direct route to the beaches of Sapelo Island. This is a three plus 
plus mile stretch that kicked our butts. Across open ocean and heavily laden river kayaks we went, finally reaching the beach at Sapelo uh, after about two hours. We were home for the day and night, and what a home this is. Absolutely magnificent, secluded beach. Immediately, we ate breakfast on the beach, moving our cooking gear two times due to a rapidly rising tide. Camp is set up in the hinterland. That's a Navy term. Was as usual, other than the thousands of sand spurs that plagued our feet. Day was spent napping, resting, running, collecting shells and sand dollars, eating, swimming. Several large pods of dolphins were present at highest tide along with large schools of bait fish. Thousands of birds gathered on the beach awaiting the shrimp boats returning to the Doughboy Sound. Highlights of the day. Mission complete. That was a heck of a day, man. That night paddle was sweet. Yeah, that was definitely the best day. Yeah. For me, I mean, getting to Sapelo, well, Wolf and Sapelo were uh, really cool. I mean, I didn't, you know, it's funny. I didn't even know that I was, like, I wasn't looking forward to Sapelo Island. I wasn't either. We didn't even know we were going to Sapelo. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, that's true. I, I didn't have anything pictured, I just, but it was so cool to get there. I mean, it was, like, one of the coolest places I've ever been. Uh, There was these fields of uh of purple flowers and 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 i think yellow flowers i can't even remember now but they there was these orange butterflies everywhere 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 and and it was the coolest thing and and then the 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 dolphins that i mean i basically swam with dolphins i mean i didn't touch them but i got within from me to you uh and walked the beach and Got all these whole sand dollars that were basically perfect. And, I mean, it was just like the most amazing place. I think sea turtles were coming up and laying their eggs where we were staying uh, on that on that Sapelo Island. And it was just, I don't know, it was just one of the coolest places I've ever been. The nights were beautiful there. The sand was pretty. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't even looking forward to that, but that was a great way to end it. It made it. Made it worth it. It's almost a reward we didn't even know we were getting, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And, you know, when we got to the hellhole, we were knee-deep in mud. Having a, I was standing there handing all the gear up to Chile, throwing it up there to Chile. And when we left, our boats were like six foot higher than, like, yeah. the mud was gone because the tide had came in. Uh, but I thought it was really cool, us tracking in the dark with our headlamps on alligators swimming back and forth and then that one guy just spotlighted us oh like, yeah we, we didn't even know the boat was there like chad's like we're compromised <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was to me coming up to wolf island not really knowing what it was going to look like in my head because i hadn't even i didn't do any kind of research on it or anything but at some spots you could see the sand but then some spot like out of nowhere you just hit some barnacles or whatever some kind of those whatever. big muscles uh, clumps of muscles yeah i mean it was like hitting a dang block of sheetrock those things are razor concrete. sharp too man yeah 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 and we saw that on our boats once we put them on the back on the trailer we could see where we hit some of those but getting off the boat and then dropping down in that mud like calf deep on wolf island 
and then finally getting up to the sand and watching the sun rise the best we could. It was a little cloudy. <laughs> everything just kind of all the emotion of everything that just happened, like it all it started rolling in, you know. It was a, uh, it was pretty breathtaking for me. I mean, especially not knowing what we were about to do, from Wolf Island to <laughs> Sapelo. Yeah, because that was dreadful at at the best. Yeah, but well, yeah. I mean, it's it's always interesting to me when we go out and do these. I mean, a mission like this, well, very unique. I've never done anything quite like this before, um, and. You know, you you reach your objective that you've been trying to get to for seven days. And, you know, I think a lot of people expect there to be, like, bells and whistles and cheering and all crying and all this. And But in reality, when you're a professional, you just get there and you're like, man, we did it. Like, we weren't. We weren't bawling, crying. We weren't. It, it was no. There was no one there to greet us. It was just yeah. a, 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 a empty place. And we're like, man, we did it. Whatever happens from here on out, we did it. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. And well, well, not to relate everything back to ultra running, but it's it's kind of cool. That's one reason I like about ultra running is most of the time you win a race. That, that's a long you know it took all it took all day maybe multiple days and all this energy and you're just freaking stripped down to nothing you know and then you get to the finish and most of the time there's nobody there yeah uh, or maybe a handful of people there i shouldn't say nobody you know i mean there's there's a guy named david riddle uh he's a really good ultra runner and he one time he set a course record at a hundred mile race and the race directors weren't even there he got there so fast they didn't even have the finish line up I mean, he literally finished to nobody he, I mean, he followed the course markings and, and just was, there was nothing there. I mean, that's just, that's crazy to me. And, and it, uh, but I like that. I mean, that, that's beautiful at the same time. Like, I think it is too. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, just, but it's just like crazy in a way that, you know, I, I don't think people can understand why you'd like to do something like that or, or why you wouldn't want the fanfare. But same thing, it reminded me of this this you saying that reminded me yeah like you don't get there to some applause or some group of people uh, you know congratulating you it's just you did it just a bunch of birds and raccoons that are there all the time anyways yeah there's something way more uh pure about that like i don't i don't think nothing was cause for celebration you know what i mean yeah like we just what was there to celebrate we made it yeah, yeah. but but what's there to celebrate? I mean, that's what we, if yeah. that's what you do. Yeah. There's nothing really to celebrate. Exactly. You enjoy it. You enjoy it. Yeah. But you don't really celebrate. What do you, I thought that was pretty cool. How, um, when we rounded that last man, how the mouth of the river was lit up. I didn't expect that. It was almost like a beacon, you know, it was wild, man. I didn't know what it was. I, I said, chili, what is that? It he was said, a beacon. He said, I think he said, I, I think that's, that's where the ocean is. He said, I think that's the mouth where the river comes to the ocean, and that's where it, it opens up. And I'm like, man, that's a long ways if that's what that is. Yeah. yeah. Sure enough, it was a, I guess it was a beacon. You remember how poorly his nighttime <clears throat> paddling skills were, Brett? How he would just kind of oh, drift yeah. away, and like 
he would want to paddle towards some buoy that was in the opposite direction of what you we said wanted to I go. Was, you and, commented on how I was paddling on, strong. At I asked Brett. I asked Brett. It was in my mind. I'm sitting here thinking I'm about to witness another father-son speech here. <laughs> Soon as Chili gets, Chad, turn around. Chili, get get in line. <laughs> that is true. He said we we paddled in formation. Yeah, well, not the whole time, but. Yeah. Chili's just doing his own thing, and, and you know, Chad, Chili, get in line. Well, he al- he already can't see, so you put the night That's on true. him and ask him to do something. Okay. So we watch the sunrise. We realize there ain't no camping on, on Wolf Island. There's, there's, there's not even any there ain't high a tree. You there, wouldn't want to. There ain't. Yeah, you would not want to stay there. So I start looking at imagery, and – we can see way across the Doughboy Sound, we can see a lighthouse on Sapelo. And we can also see a stretch of beach. And we know that's a big beach if we can see it from where we are. But we don't know what's over there. I mean, we might, I don't know what's on Sapelo Island. So we say, okay, well, we're just going to beeline for the point of Sapelo Island. And then we, we pick a little cut in the trees where the trees go from short to tall and we're like, okay, let's aim for that. We, I didn't even start my watch, man. I, I just knew the mission for me was over. At that point, we hit the objective, and this was just part of the process to get in a place, uh, get into a place where we could lay up, get some rest, and wait for extract. It ended up becoming more than that. But we set off from Wolf Island across the mouth of Doughboy Sound in the Atlantic, and we get to a spot, man, where there's some underwater shoals or, or something affecting the current and the surf. Um, you know, the waves are generally affected if it's not a lot of wind and stuff. The waves are affected by what's underneath. So something was going on in there. And, man, it got pretty nasty. And there was a point where you just felt like you were just paddling and paddling and paddling. And this thing was not getting any closer. I was real concerned with the old sea ghost about right that about that time right there. I thought the old sea ghost was gonna take a spill. Yeah, this is like these little rogue waves that just hit you out of nowhere. You wouldn't even see them coming. Like it wasn't like giant waves, but you you got so much weight on those kayaks. Yeah, they start getting tippy, and man, it got real. I stopped for one minute to get a to hit me a fruit roll up hmm. to get a little bit of sugar in me, and man, I, I feel like I drifted. 30 yards and i like never caught back up with you yeah and then i turn around and chili's way back there yeah i kept looking back for chili and i said you know what man this joker's in another one of his freaking things where he's just he's already been squirrely all morning just kind of just out of it you know going around doing this just wanting to paddle toward things that this is about 12, 11. No, it's about 9.30. Oh, yeah, this is early, yeah. We were just paddling from Wolf to Sapelo. I mean, I didn't know we were. And so, yeah. If we were supposed to stay in formation, y'all should have let me know. So, I, I knew that as long as he was in sight, When you I get in the ocean, you don't want to battle it too hard. I it mean, was, you, It was rough. If you just paddle hard, you're just battling it. So, I just took it nice and easy. Yeah, I got there, what, it. probably 10 minutes after y'all or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we made landfall. There on Sapelo, breakfast on the beach, immediately laid up, got camp set up, and uh, the old man, bull took a nap. Old bull took a nap. Uh, you know, got up, 
did a run. We had all day. We got there at like 9.30, so we had all day. The night there was, I mean, Sapelo Island, I won't hit it anymore, but like Chili said, it was one of the most magnificent places that you could go and stay. Uh, you can you can only get there by boat or plane. No road access. There is some infrastructure on the island, but um, gosh, it was so cool. Woke up the next morning and we played music for the first time the next morning because we knew extract was coming. Mission was, you know, we were where we were, extract location, and uh, <clears throat> we took a wrap off, played us a little willy. Um, some old deep cuts and see when I'm, when I'm focused in on getting a job done, I ain't listening to music, man, but it was just, that was just a really cool, chill morning. What about the, uh, foreshadowing of you talking about the extract and you're like, ah, that boat's been sitting a while. There may be some issues with that. But you know how them old boat motors are. Boat motors are the biggest pieces of junk. Unreliable as crap. And sure enough. And sure enough, they had <laughs> issues with the boat that morning. Dang. Yeah. And uh they, you know, David Miller will get he he will get that thing up and running. <laughs> I knew he would. I thought they might might be a little late, right? But he when it when David Miller is determined to do something, he's gonna do it. David Miller's my father in law. He had we had arranged extract from uh via motorboat center console boat they were setting off from emmy's house coming to get us on sapelo it's about an hour boat ride and um they showed up man we loaded up went back to emmy's and uh that was actual mission complete from the time we got on the boat it was like oh man we just got jolted back into the actual world right and you know, it's been tough for me, dude. At this last week, I have about shut slap down, dude. I'm just starting to snap back out of it. But, you know, it is it is what it is. I usually go through that kind of stage when I have to re-enter back into society. But, man, we got snapped back into it, like, in a real quick and jolting way. Um just going from this beautiful secluded beach boom right into having to conversate and make decisions and load boats and houses and all this stuff you right forget how to talk i'm telling you man it reminded me of like he did a lot of talking on the boat chili you remember yeah. that it yeah. reminded me of jeremiah john well i had to man like it reminded me of jeremiah johnson when he's when he's built his cabin down there on the river with his squaw and his little adopted kid and the these pioneer people come in and they're looking for people that are stranded and they say jeremiah can you help us and he just smiles at them and they're like what's wrong with you man and he's like it's been a long time since i've had so much of the english language spoken at me and um that's how i felt like <laughs> and so I think I'm getting back out of it now, but good gosh, whew, last week was rough for me. I don't know how you guys do it. You guys just jump right back into it full force, man. So as we're waiting on the extract, uh, Chili's out here swimming with dolphins. Every time we see dolphins, Chili, we're like, oh, look at those dolphins. We look away and Chili's just easing out into I'm the water. I'm trying to get on to them. And he'll just swim out there to him. And Instead of just paddling his kayak, we had decided we weren't going to paddle any that day. 
until we were like, yeah, that's not a good choice. Let's just get in our boat and paddle around the point to where our extract's coming to, right? But Chile is so hard-headed. After we had made a decision that we weren't going to paddle, instead of just saying, oh, you know what? That was a poor decision. Let's actually paddle around to the extract point. He drug his boat from where we had camped at all the way around the point of the island, drug his boat, and swam it around to there. So me and Brett were sitting at extract fishing for 30 minutes before he ever even got over there. That's just the way he is, man. I, 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 this, I, was, I was, again, concerned because, like, at one spot, because you're right there on where, where the... Get, you're getting close to the channel. Doughboy Sound, yeah. Yeah, and you don't know what those little rip currents are going to do. And for probably 20, at least 15 minutes, his boat was in the same spot. And he was just sitting there. Oh, yeah. I spent about 20 minutes in the same spot. And I told Chad, I said, is he okay? Chad's like, he'll figure it out. I ain't worried about it no more. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, this trip was really rough on Chili. I mean, it was really, really rough on him. It stretched him bad, man. I think he was out of his element. Yeah, he was way out of his element. It really put a hurting on him. I don't think he learned anything, which is unfortunate, because he's going to have to actually blow up again. I think he'll have to blow up another time or two before he actually starts learning things. That's fine. but It may surprise you how many times I blow up again. <laughs> no, you'll get it. <laughs> You'll get it. Well, see, you, the, the, way, the reason today. that they're talking like this to any podcast listener out there is because they, they're trying to get me to talk because I've pretty much decided I'm done talking. But I'm not going to argue with them. So that's... Well, ain't you, got no you, bottom end. You usually respond well to old Pops' counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? Yeah. Look, we've been podcasting for almost three hours. Chili's bottom end has run yeah, slam out. I'm about, I'm about done talking, so... Any, well, they this, can say whatever they want about me. That's why they started the insults, because uh, they know I'm not going to... They're trying to get me to talk, but I, I'm about over it. This is going to be a two-parter. I don't know that anyone listened to three hours of this. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> well, guys, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll end it on that note. That's, uh, that's the after-actions report of the mission. I hope... Uh, we're able to share this with 10 of you guys next year. I really do. It's that special to me that I, I definitely want this to be something that we can share with you guys. So uh, just stand by. We'll put out the information on that later on. And uh, y'all got anything else? Well, did you talk about why uh, this was special to you? I did. Okay. I did the other did day. did that yeah. the other day. Okay. About Emmy. Yeah. I got you. Well then, yeah. That's... What was your so? What was your initial impression of Emmy? Oh yeah, I think we'd be friends if we got to spend some time together. I definitely do. I mean, I don't know that she would like me, but I like her. So I think we'd probably we could probably be, make friends. I like Emmy a lot. She sounds like just from you know because you never really I, yeah 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 she's really cool she uh I would uh I would like to talk to her about. A lot of different things and just see where i don't know just see what how she thinks she's very special you got anything else brett i'm good brother i appreciate the invite oh pod out
Y'all jokers ain't got no bottom end, dude. Freaking turds. Not all of us inherited dads talking like you. Whatever. All right, guys. Well, my crew doesn't have any bottom end. I hope this was enough uh, stories of detail for y'all to be entertained for a little while. What do you want to say, dude? What is bottom end? That's for another podcast, man. It's what you don't have. That's why you don't understand what it is. Is because you ain't got none of it. Thank you for turning tuning <laughs> tuning in to the three or seven podcast. <laughs> I just wanted to basically expose that you don't know what that is. Oh, I know what it is. That, we'll, that we'll, it's nothing. We'll talk about it next Wednesday after Team PT when I beat you again. We're not racing next Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see about that. We're not racing. Well, that's true. We have a special Team PT coming up next Wednesday, so. We'll see how it goes. Enough said. <laughs>